The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Today, we conclude the message that we began yesterday regarding the importance of the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul presents one of the most logical and consistent defenses of the bodily resurrection that you'll find anywhere in scriptures. And he teaches us that the resurrection is the central truth of Christianity. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is key to our atonement. For if Christ were not resurrected, then there is no atonement. But he teaches us that our own resurrection is just as certain as Christ's resurrection. And our hope of the coming resurrection ought to be the central truth of our lives. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
is essential to our eternal salvation. Look down in verse 21. Well, verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Lord willing, we'll come back to that before the message is over. But just keep that thought in mind that if that's the only hope we have is what we have here and now, then we're just miserable. We're going to be miserable. But verse 20, now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Now notice, you remember what I said that the, the resurrection is essential to our eternal salvation? He said, since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. We need to understand that by nature, we are no different than the reprobate. The wicked, Ephesians 2 and verse 1 says, You had the quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. Before the new birth, before we're born again, and if left alone by the Lord, if he had left us alone in nature, we would be just like those who were wicked, having our conversation in time past according to the lust of the flesh, according to the lust of the mind, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You see... We needed something greater than a pathway to salvation. We needed a man to bring salvation. We don't need a plan of salvation. We need God's purpose in salvation that was before the foundation of the world where he purposed to send this man, not any man, this man, the Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the Godhead. He was to come down as a man and by this man came the resurrection of the dead because in Adam all died. In Adam, we have no hope. In Adam, we cannot save ourselves. Adam plunged us into the darkness and the bondage of sin. It took a second Adam to bring us out. And that second Adam had to come here as a man and walk these roads here as a man and keep the law to a jot and to a tittle and then be crucified on the cross. And he had to rise again the third day. And notice he became the first fruits. There was a principle, there was a requirement in the Old Testament days that when the harvest came in, the children of Israel would take 10% of that first fruits of that harvest and dedicate it to the Lord. They'd bring it down to the temple and give it. And, and the purpose of that was certainly to show their obedience, but it was also to affirm that because the first fruits are blessed by God, we can have confidence that the rest of the harvest will be blessed by God. Christ is our first fruits. Christ is the first one to rise. Now you say, well, didn't some people uh, rise from the dead before him? Yes, they were raised from the dead. <laughs> they were brought back to life. Lazarus comes to mind. And there was a young girl, and 
as a young man as well, but Lazarus was raised from the dead. But you see, Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he had to die again. I've always thought he got the, the, the shortest stick of all. He just, bless his heart. <laughs> oh, Lazarus had died. He'd gone through the pains of death. And he had, he had gone, as we're told, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. I've always believed that he had, the Lord had to just erase his memory of that or he wouldn't have been any good when he came back. <laughs> oh, Lazarus went up there and then he came back. And the first, you know what we read in the very next chapter or at the end of that 11th chapter? Is the Pharisees sought to kill him. They were looking. So he came back to a world that wanted to kill him. <laughs> See, Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he wasn't raised from the dead in a perfect transformed body Jesus Christ was the first one for that to happen when he came back he came back in a perfect body in a transformed a body that he is in today the body that he is dwelling in heaven seated at the right hand of the father and he is our first fruits and because he was resurrected we can have confidence that we too one day will be resurrected you see only by perfect sacrifice, only by the Lamb of God. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 18 tells us about that. He says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God and not in the things you've done or the things your preacher has said or the things your church has told you to do. I have no confidence in this church. Do you know that? You <laughs> say, so, wait a minute, why are you here? I have zero confidence in Zion Primitive Baptist Church. Now, don't get me wrong, I love Zion Primitive Baptist Church. I love, I have confidence that you love one another and that you share that love clearly with those who visit. I've had people who visit say, I've never felt any greater love anywhere else than I felt here. And, the, and we ought to continue that. And I love this church. And I have confidence to the extent that, that, that I believe that every Sunday when we're here, we're going to love one another and we're going to show that love to one another. But I have no confidence in this church to get me to heaven. This church can't get me to heaven. There's not one thing I can do to get you there. I love you dearly, but I can't get you there. You can't get me there. But I can tell you about one who can. And not only one who can, but one who has. Has made it certain. It's this lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world to be your substitute and your sacrifice. Oh, the resurrection is essential to our eternal salvation. See, these promises tell us that the grave was not able to hold the one, the one by whom God brought the atonement. The resurrection was proof of his divinity 
and necessary to demonstrate that he did what he said he would do when the angel came to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21 and told him, don't worry about it. He said, Joseph, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, for she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And praise God, he shall save his people from their sins. That's not an offer. That's not a conditional promise. That is an absolute declaration of the power of God that he will save his people from their sins. Isn't that glorious? Isn't that glorious? Now, as we continue in the 15th chapter though, what I really want you to see this morning is that, you know, I'm so thankful for the fact that one day we'll be in heaven. I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to that. But but I'm not in heaven yet, okay? Okay. I'm not, that's that's wonderful. The sweet by and by is a glorious thought, but the nasty here and now is where I live. But this is what I want to share with you before we close this morning. This, This thought of the resurrection, this truth of the resurrection is essential to our daily walk and to our timely salvation, our temporal salvation. We talk about that a lot here. And that time salvation, that temporal salvation, just simply is blessings and obedience. Doing what God said and keeping our mind focused upon who He is will deliver us. It will save us from this crooked generation. As Peter told them over there, he said, save yourselves from this untoward generation. He wasn't suddenly changing the message and saying there's something you've got to do to get to heaven. No, he said, here's how you got to heaven. Now, if you keep this in mind, it'll save you here. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have struggles. I, I'm not, I've got things coming up this week that I'm dreading. I'm not getting better and better physically. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but I have. <laughs> things aren't just getting better and better. And when I talk to people 10 years or 15 or 20 years older than me, they say it sure ain't going to get better. <laughs> That's discouraging. That's disheartening. I, you know, I could, I could play football when I was... When I was in high school, I was I was a I was a lineman, man. I, I was I thought I was tough. I could I could I could take on anybody and 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 I felt that way up through my twenties and somewhat in my thirties, but as I got in my forties and now I'm in my fifties, I realized that uh, I might have one good block in me, brother Carl, but it's a, that's the only one, <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> you better I better get it in quick because after that block I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. They'd be take toting me off on a stretcher. You see, things aren't getting better and better. I need help here and now. I'm looking forward to heaven, but I need help here and now. And this is the hope that we have. Paul says in verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. In other words, if the resurrection is not true, then we don't have any hope. But notice what he said, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep. When we lay our loved ones in the ground, when we, when we put them to, to rest, in, their bodies to rest in the earth, and, and we bury them, and, and we, we come back from time to time maybe to the cemetery, and we go to their graves, and we stand there, we could, could only stand there weeping in despair if not for the resurrection. Notice what he says. He says, as he continues on here down in verse, uh, uh, verse, 30, uh, uh, verse 30, he says, Why stand we in jeopardy every hour? In other words, Paul is saying, I have had some great trials in my life. 
Sometime look in 2 Corinthians and you'll see he, lay, he lays out a list of them. I believe it's in the 10th or 11th chapter. I can't remember exactly. But he's saying to them, I am standing in jeopardy of my life every hour. And he says, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I die daily. In other words, uh, part of my proof here is the fact that even in the midst of being in danger of losing my life, I'm still rejoicing and you're rejoicing with me. I protest by your rejoicing. I die daily. He said, if after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantageth it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. You see, what he's saying to us is that there's really no point to any of this, even life, if there's no resurrection. You just might as well live it up, because you're going to die, and that's going to be it. I know I've shared this with you before, but one of my favorite uh, series in when I was growing up was a series on PBS called Cosmos. And it was produced by and created by a man named Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan was a great astronomer, but Carl Sagan was an atheist. I didn't know that at the time, but I, I've, I've studied about him through the years, and he died a few years ago. And when he died, his widow put out a statement that went something like this. We're not expecting there to be some great reunion. I won't see him again. We just lived our lives here the best we could. Something like that. And I thought to myself when I read that, what a sad place to be in life. When we lose a loved one and we say, that's it, we'll never see him again. <laughs> you know, what Paul is saying here is this. We're continuously being assaulted by the troubles and trials of this life. I don't know about you, but I'm having trials. I'm having temptations. I don't just struggle with the world out there. I struggle with me in here. And I have these continual groanings within me. I have these continual struggles. And I know one day I'm going to be in heaven, but, but I, you know, how does that help me here? Well, this is how it helps me here. He says, if there is no resurrection, then there's no point to all of this. Why are we doing it? But here's what he says. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Notice what he's saying here is don't let heresy overtake you. Don't let this untruth about the resurrection, don't let the people out there who are preaching that and teaching that, don't let them pull you away. And in fact, it's a warning to us that when we have people preaching things and teaching things that are untrue, we ought not associate very closely with them. I don't mean we never are nice to them or we never spend time with them. Maybe we have opportunities to try to teach them some things from the scripture, but do not let them be your closest counselors because they will drive you away. They will pull you away from the truth that you need in order to thrive in this world. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your same shame. But he says, but some will say, how are the dead raised up? And he begins to talk about that. I'm not going to go into it this morning, but just understand most of us out here who are at least have some connection to farmers, if we're not farmers ourselves, understand that when you plant a seed, it doesn't look like what the stalk is going to be later. You put, a, you put a corn seed in the ground, a kernel of corn in the ground, that's not what's going to be in the harvest. What's going to be in the harvest is a tall green plant that looks nothing like what you planted. 
And he says, just understand that. These people would have understood that agrarian example. And he said, just understand that the resurrection is something similar to that from a spiritual standpoint. What we plant in the ground, the body that we put in the ground when we die, is nothing like the body that's going to be raised to eternal glory. Now, I do happen to believe that we're going to know each other in heaven. He says we'll know as we are known. I do believe that, and I do believe we'll look similar to what we, we are today. I think, you know, I know when Elijah and Moses appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration, the apostles recognized them. We'll recognize each other, but praise God, we won't look like we do right now. <laughs> what will we look like? Well, if you die as a baby, will you be a baby? If you die as an old man, will you be an old man? I don't know what kind of body you'll have. Will you have a baby body? Will you have, a, uh, will you have an old person's body, a 30-year-old body, or a 50 50-year-old body, I just know it'll be a perfect body. <laughs> That's what we'll have. One day, this old body that afflicts me and pulls me down and gives me problems will be transformed. And he goes to that in the 50th verse here, and that's where I want us to end up this morning. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Remember what I told you? The resurrection is essential to our eternal salvation. We can't inherit the kingdom of God, the eternal heaven of God, in a corrupt body like we have now. Something has to happen to us. You see, what has to happen to us is the same thing that happened to the Lord Jesus Christ when he was in the grave for three days and three nights. He was resurrected in a perfect divine body. Now notice what he says in verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. <laughs> notice he didn't say he could explain it all to us. And I can't explain it all to you. Like Brother Mike said last Sunday night, I'm still not going to understand it completely when I get through here. But oh, how glorious it is we can rejoice in it. He said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. And that's speaking of death. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Now notice he says this corruptible must put on incorruption. Likewise, Christ must have been resurrected. He had to be resurrected else he would not have been Christ. But he was resurrected and because he was resurrected, we know our corruptible bodies must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. And when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave where is thy victory people may think we're crazy when we stand here in this pulpit uh, I, I was blessed to be able to preach my own father's funeral and there were tears shed yes but mostly at the at the bedside of my father when he passed from this life when he breathed his last my brother and I looked at each other and immediately simultaneously said hallelujah not that we are glad that we're not going to see him for a while, but hallelujah, he's been delivered from his pain and suffering. He's been delivered from the confines of this life. He's been delivered from the bondage of sin and the sin that does still so easily beset us. One day, beloved, our day of death will come. And when that day comes, it will be the best day of your life, child of God. And we're not being suicidal here. We, don't, we shouldn't hasten that day. That's wrong. God has us here for a reason. But I will tell you, beloved, that when that day comes, there will be no greater day in your life. Think about all the great times of your life. Think about all the great days you can think of, the mountaintop experiences you may have had. 
Maybe it was a wedding. Maybe it was the birth of a child or a grandchild or something like that. But I want to tell you, beloved, there's no day that will ever compare to the day when we close our eyes in death and we open them in glory. And an even greater day, let me tell you, is coming than that. Because you see, when we die here, our bodies stay in the ground. We don't sleep out there. That's not, soul sleep is not taught in the Word of God. We don't sleep until the resurrection. Our bodies lay in the ground. You might say they sleep in the ground. But our spirit, according to Paul, goes immediately to be with the Lord. But we're not there in body yet. We're not there as a whole. The Lord, you know, heaven is a real place for a real body. And he intends for our bodies to be there in one day. One day, the trumpet's going to sound in the moment. In a twinkling of an eye, the trumpet will sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. And that old body and that spirit will be put back together. If you read in the first, first Thessalonians chapter 4, you'll read about him coming back with his saints. That's the spirits of his saints that are up there. And the bodies will be reunited and so shall we ever be with the Lord. He goes on to finish up here, and I want to finish with this. He says, The sting of death is sin, the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through the, our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice verse 58. Therefore. In other words, based on all that I've told you, Corinthian church, and I want to say to you this morning, based on all I've preached to you this morning, Zion church, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In other words, here and now, be steadfast. Here and now, be unmovable. Don't go away from these truths. Here and now, abound in the work of the Lord. In other words, when times get hard, keep on keeping on. Not because you were some kind of stoics that believe that we just got to hold out to the end. No. But because we know the end is glorious. And the end is coming. And the end may be today. We never know. In other words, abound in the work of the Lord. Live like you're a child of God. When you're out at your work, at your job, in your play, wherever you are, let people know there's something different. Not by preaching and getting up in their face, but just by the way you live. By the way you talk. By the things you say. Don't take offenses. <laughs> when somebody hurts your feelings, get over it. <laughs> get over it. Don't give offenses. Don't do things that might hurt other people's feelings. Don't do that. You know why? Because the resurrection's coming. You say, hey, uh, I'm, I've got this test, uh, health, I've got this health problem. I've got tests coming up. I've got surgery coming up. That, okay, I, that's, a, that's a, uh, an obstacle that you have to face. It's a mountain you have to climb. I get that. But what if the resurrection is about to occur? <laughs> I've said this before. We ought to be living as if the resurrection were only 30 seconds away. Let me ask you something. If you believe, if, if in truth the resurrection is 30 seconds away, then how, how are you going to stay angry at that brother or sister or that family member or that church member? How, why are you going to go give them a piece of your mind? <laughs> you know, I'm going to go get, have you ever been there? I like to, I'm the, I told you so tight. I can't wait. I'm going to get over here. I'm going to tell them something. But what if the resurrection's 30 seconds away? What does it matter? <laughs> you got cancer. You've only got a few weeks or months to live. What does it matter? 
Because the resurrection is 30 seconds away. You've lost a loved one and you're grieving. And I understand that grief is real. I experience it myself. But why do we sorrow with no hope when the resurrection is 30 seconds away? You see, the resurrection is the central truth of the Scriptures. And it ought to be the central truth of our daily lives. Because one day, the resurrection really will be only 30 seconds away. Oh, what a glorious day that will be. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.